Coming up on Harvard Chan This Week in Health, a call for the CDC to track eating disorders in America. Basically, it's radio silence from the CDC on anything to do with a disorder that affects 30 million Americans at minimum and actually has among the highest mortality rate of any psychiatric disorder. In this week's episode, we examine how better data on eating disorders could improve treatment and prevention. Hello and welcome to Harvard Chan This Week in Health. It's Thursday, November 30th, 2017. I'm Noah Lovett. Amy Monomura is off this week. It's estimated that more than 30 million Americans will experience an eating disorder in their lifetime. But despite that, these psychiatric conditions are not monitored by the Centers for Disease Control, or CDC. The CDC uses variant surveillance systems such as surveys to monitor health across the country. These systems can help detect outbreaks of infectious diseases like Zika, track rising rates of illnesses like opioid addiction, and help find connections between behavioral habits and diseases such as smoking and lung cancer. This data is also critical to help determine which public health programs are succeeding and identify where more resources and services are needed. In 2015, the CDC removed eating disorders from its national tracking systems, but now there's a push to have this monitoring reinstated. The Strategic Training Initiative for the Prevention of Eating Disorders, or STRIPED, based here at the Harvard Chan School, is leading a coalition of organizations and lawmakers who are asking the CDC to resume tracking of eating disorders. Back in October, 65 members of Congress sent a letter to the CDC urging the organization to implement a national surveillance system for eating disorders. To learn more about the effort and why tracking eating disorders is so important, I sat down with Bryn Austin, who is director of Striped and professor in the Department of Social and Behavioral Sciences here at the Harvard Chan School. I began our conversation by asking her to explain what eating disorders are and why they are such a critical issue for public health. When people think of eating disorders, they're often imagining what we see in the popular press. Images of a Hollywood starlet uh, who's extremely emaciated, that's the kind of image that gets put out there about eating disorders. That couldn't be further from the truth. We know eating disorders affect all communities. They affect men and women, people of all gender identities, affect all race, ethnicity groups, all income groups, and all across the country, not just in urban areas like Los Angeles and New York, but all across rural, suburban, and urban America. The image of uh, the Hollywood starlet as the, the only group affected by eating disorders has really kept this issue off the public health agenda, and the CDC just hasn't been aware of what they were missing, and which is true in most public health schools also, where, where students don't get uh, really any education about we- what eating disorders are. In fact, eating disorders include anorexia nervosa, which is the one people most often think of, but also includes bulimia nervosa and binge eating disorder, which is by far the most common, affecting somewhere close to 4% of the U.S. population, just binge eating disorder. Now, other eating disorders that may not reach full psychiatric criteria actually are even much more common than that. We know that around 30 million Americans will be uh, affected by an eating disorder in in their lifetime and probably double, triple that or even more affected by what we might call subclinical eating disorders, which doesn't mean they're not potentially just as harmful, but they just may not reach all the criteria to get a psychiatric diagnosis. I know that Striped is working with other national organizations, this group of 65 lawmakers, to get the CDC to, I guess, in a sense, reinstate 
tracking of eating disorders and their surveillance systems, which I believe was done up until 2015. So can you explain a little bit more about what you are hoping to accomplish, but also why the tracking of eating disorders ended a few years ago? The CDC had been tracking eating disorder symptoms on the Youth Risk Behavior Surveillance System Survey, which is conducted in high schools in many states across the country. And they had been doing that for more than a decade. Uh, That is a a survey done every two years in uh, public high schools. Then in 2015, they dropped that surveillance. What that meant was that there was really no surveillance anywhere in any of the CDC surveys because they weren't doing it with any of the other surveys that reach youth or adults. The Youth Risk Behavior Surveillance System was the only one that was collecting data around eating disorders. When they dropped it in 2015, basically it's radio silence from the CDC on anything to do with a disorder that affects 30 million Americans at minimum, and actually has among the highest mortality rate of any psychiatric disorder. Another, that's another fact that, that many people don't realize, and, and likely also uh, professionals at the CDC don't realize, that this is a disorder that has among the highest mortality rate, even compared to substance use, compared to depression, dep- compared to schizophrenia, eating disorders is a big killer. And I know we've talked about this in the past when we've, we've talked about your, your work around the modeling industry, that, for example, an eating disorder, especially in adolescents, can have these long-term health effects. So can you expand a little bit more about that? I mean, what are some of the health effects that we see from eating disorders, not just while a person is has an eating disorder, but maybe even later in their life? Eating disorders can affect really all systems of the body. What we worry about in teenagers One is the high mortality rate in teens. Uh, A teenager with an eating disorder, particularly anorexia nervosa at age 15, has 10 times the risk of dying in her teen years compared to uh, another teen who doesn't have an eating disorder. So that is first and foremost what we're most worried about. And it can be because of uh, damage to the heart, uh, electrolyte imbalances. Also, suicide is is a big risk in eating disorders. The longer-term effects of eating disorders can include uh, bone loss. So when the, when the hormonal system is, is uh, disrupted, uh, which can happen either from uh, extreme weight loss or it can happen from the weight cycling or purging that can be part of an eating disorder. When the hormonal system is disrupted, we know that bone is not uh, accrued in a healthy way. And if, in, during the teen years, that can mean a lifelong uh, risk of osteoporosis and potentially fractures um, down the road. There's also risk to fertility lost. Uh, gastrointestinal problems that can be lasting, the um, effects of purging on um, dental enamel and tooth erosion can be severe, where someone um, a decade or two into an eating disorder may need their entire mouth, a teeth, and gums rebuilt because of the damage if their eating disorder is not detected early. And that's certainly why, from a public health perspective, we want uh, people's symptoms to be detected early so we can get them into care. We know that people respond better to treatment and faster and have fewer years of of suffering and this kind of health harms and and harms to other aspects of their life, um, which might uh, come up in dropping out of college, for instance, not being able to hold on a job, which can affect many uh, people affected by many kinds of mental health problems in this one also. So early detection from a public health perspective is so important. And that's why we need the CDC to be on board. And could you expand on that a little bit about about why tracking of eating disorders is so important, not just for the on the treatment side, but I'm guessing also on the prevention side. I guess what can public health professionals kind of 
accomplished through a better or more robust national tracking system. The CDC's national data collection is so important to public health because it allows us to monitor what's happening in communities across the country. Uh, it allows us to see if prevention efforts might be successful in one area of the country versus another. Uh, it also allows us if new to see if new epidemics are emerging or if certain population groups are more affected. From the research that we have to date, we have reason to think that there's increasing risk among, among boys. We have a good reason to think that there's higher rates of eating disorder symptoms in boys of color compared to white boys. We're starting to see uh, data that um, veterans actually have much higher rates of eating disorder symptoms than had ever been recognized before. But we need national surveillance from uh, from the Centers for Disease Control, really the, the leading agency and public health agenda for the country. We need Need those data to be able to identify when we're doing something right and when we need to mount a public health response. And so, what would this tracking system look like from from a practical perspective? How would would the data be collected? The CDC already has a dozen or more standard tracking systems surveys they have out in the field. I mentioned the youth risk behavior surveillance system, very important for high school and also middle school youth. They have the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, which clearly collects a lot of information about food, eating, weight, uh, nutrition, and this would make a lot of sense to include eating disorders in that also, uh, particularly given what we know about how eating disorders undermine public health efforts to address the obesity epidemic. Something that people working in, in that field absolutely need to know when eating disorders are also occurring in populations, because we have to address both at the same time. You can't address obesity alone without, if, if there's also presence of an eating disorder, you have to do both. There's the National Health Interview Survey, the National Survey of Family Growth, the CDC, and others. The CDC runs a number of uh, surveillance systems that already collect some data on mental health or some on nutrition, and these would be uh, places where it could be very easy to include a few more questions to get at um, symptoms of uh, unhealthy weight control that might be signs of eating disorder symptoms, um, symptoms of uh, binge eating disorder. These are the kind of things that we really need to know about. Uh, and also abuse of weight control products or abuse of steroids, which we see more in boys and men, uh, also for body image concerns. So in, in a sense, would, would tracking also allow you to, I guess, keep an eye on some, some warning signs, so to speak, so that if you saw an increase in one sort of behavior, that might you know, be an indication of someone being at risk for anorexia or, or so on? Yeah, the, being able to collect the, these data uh, all across the country it absolutely can help us identify warning signs so that we would be able to mount a public health response. So, so we've seen more and more in recent years the use of dietary supplements for weight control. This is a product that's been on the market for a while, but the industry is growing so fast. We see far more youth and young adults using these products. Uh, we also know that these products are not helpful. They're not medically recommended, and they can actually be dangerous. Uh, and they may presage the development of an eating disorder, uh, potentially. We want to be able to monitor where these products are being used and to mount a public health response to these dangerous products, help to catch uh, any kind of signs of someone going down the path of an eating disorder early so we can have public health programs in place to prevent eating disorders. So one of the 
I guess, discouraging, but maybe not necessarily surprising to statistics is that I think only one in three Americans are receiving treatment for eating disorders. So how would a better tracking system help maybe alleviate that and make it so people are able to get the treatment for eating disorders? Treatment for eating disorders is really um, uh, underutilized in the U.S. Uh, Only a third of people with an eating disorder ever receive treatment. And when you look at specific disorders, it's even worse for binge eating disorder, which often is not recognized by clinicians uh, and it's not recognized by family or others who might get someone into treatment. Anorexia nervosa, because there's the obvious sign of being extremely thin, uh, sometimes family members help someone get into treatment, or, or physicians do. Um, but otherwise, there's a, um, a real lack of treatment there. Clinicians don't receive training hardly uh, in um, whether that's medical uh, school or residencies or nursing uh, and other kinds of professionals. Dentists also, they rarely get training in early detection. Um, and so even they aren't equipped to be able to refer people to treatment. One of the real driving reasons why we wanted to work on this um, issue with the CDC and to help get eating disorders on the on their radar is because what we found is there there needs to be data collected and it needs to be collected by uh, the the leading voice in America on the public health agenda. What we found time and again is if you are not counted, you don't count. We have to have those data so that we can monitor what's happening in communities what uh, health issues they're affected by, any changes in in incidence and prevalence and subgroups that are affected. And then we can go back to whether it's our local health department or state or federal um, health decision makers and say, look, we've got a problem. We need to be able to address this. We have to come up with ways that we can prevent this, detect it early, get people into treatment, or to serve a need for treatment if it's really not being met, as in the case of eating disorders. And you you touched on it there, but I mean, I'm guessing one of the goals of this is also, in a sense, to to change the narrative around eating disorders, to reduce stigma. And I see some similarities to the opioid epidemic where it's, you know, eating disorder is an immoral failing, it's a psychiatric disorder. So is that part of what you're trying to do here to, you know, I guess, change how eating disorders are viewed, not by just public health professionals, but even the, the general public? Yeah, absolutely. Stigma is a big barrier. Uh, It's a big barrier for all mental health conditions, whether that's substance use or other kinds of mental health, and it most definitely is an issue in eating disorders. And we see that uh, really wreaking havoc in a few ways. One, the stigma will keep people from seeking help. They may not reveal to their dentist or their other kind of health care provider or or if they are a youth, may not reveal to their their teachers, their school nurse, or their parents because they're embarrassed, because they feel like this is a sign of a moral failing and they should be able to figure it out on their own. Another way that the stigma um, really is is undermining of our efforts is it it keeps uh, the health professionals and uh, public health professionals from recognizing how serious of a problem it is. The stigma around it's a character, basically the beliefs that it's a character flaw and that it's, it has to do with vanity, uh, it keeps public health professionals from recognizing what's right there plain as day is the the very high mortality rate and the many, many millions of Americans affected by this. These kind of problems with stigma really um, exacerbate the, the situation and led us to the place that we are now, where we've got no data being collected by the CDC, absolute ignorance on the part of the federal government in dealing with eating disorders around from a public health perspective. Um, the vast majority of clinicians receive none or very little training in how to even detect eating disorders, much less treat it. And 
two-thirds of Americans with an eating disorder will never receive treatment in their lifetime at the rate we're going now. It doesn't have to be that way. Eating disorders are treatable. We've got good treatments in place uh, for most people that as long as we can get them access and overcome the barriers of stigma and healthcare access and uh, affordability, then we could get into a much better place around eating disorders. So I think that's an important point to follow up on. I mean, basically what you're saying is we have treatments, we know they work, but the problem is we just aren't able to get enough people to utilize those treatments. People are not able to because of stigma or they're not able to access treatment uh, because of where they live and there's no treatment providers. The lack of training within the healthcare system is also a barrier. So even even motivated uh, people who have who've been willing to seek help despite the stigma that they're struggling with often they can't find treatment if they're not living in a major city or an area where there's um, really good health care, mental health care access in particular. Um, so that puts people in a real bind, even if they want to seek treatment or if they even recognize that they have an eating disorder. When we don't have a health care workforce that's trained adequately and we have an enormous stigma out there, that serves to really compound the barriers to people accessing the, the good treatments that we have available. This is really just kind of the kickoff of a larger initiative, a larger push. So what are kind of some of the next steps here in order to uh, eventually get the CDC to hopefully start including this in their in their tracking systems? What, what are kind of some of the next steps, the, the next things you're hoping to accomplish? So we worked with uh, several other national groups, so including Striped. We worked with the Academy for Eating Disorders, which is the, the world's leading professional society for, for people specializing in eating disorders research and treatment. And we worked with the Eating Disorders Coalition and the National Eating Disorders Association. So particularly with uh, epidemiologists at the Academy for Eating Disorders, we did months of research to do the, our background work to, to see what was the CDC doing now and where were their surveys that that should be able to include eating disorders because they're most relevant. So that was many months of work. Then we teamed up with the Eating Disorders Coalition to organize this effort on Capitol Hill where um, we talked to members of Congress about reaching out to the CDC and um, sending letters to Director Fitzgerald of the CDC uh, saying that the members of Congress really urge her to put eating disorders on the CDC's radar. That has been done. Uh, Director Fitzgerald has received the letters from uh, 17 senators and 48 members of the House of Representatives in the U.S. Congress, and they are now on notice that this is an issue that the C this, that Congress recognizes is important for Americans, and it should be important for the CDC. The next step will be to sit down with the CDC and probably also sitting down with um, staff at the National Center for Health Statistics to talk about where can measures of eating disorders be added into the surveys, um, which questions specifically, how should they be worded, which questions already exist that they can pick up and will be most useful. And we certainly want them to be asking questions that are relevant to the, the, the various types of eating disorders. Um, even when the Youth Risk Behavior Surveillance System collected information uh, that was on eating disorder behaviors, they did not collect anything related to binge eating disorder. So they didn't collect anything around binge eating or feeling out of control around food and some of the ways we might assess that. Uh, so that's never been collected by the federal government on these surveillance tools. We absolutely need that to be added. Uh, that's uh, more Americans are affected by binge eating disorder than any other eating disorder. 
Um, and that certainly cuts across all communities also and has cl- closer to gender parity in um, the number of men and women who are affected by binge eating disorder. Uh, we'd want to be able to sit down with our scientists, specialists in eating disorders, epidemiology, to sit down with the CDC's epidemiologist and talk through what are, th- what are the best way to measure um, these symptoms and which surveys does it make the most sense to put which questions in. That was my conversation with Bryn Austin talking about eating disorders. If you want to learn more about eating disorders and the effort to track them, we'll have some more information on our website, hsph.me slash thisweekinhealth. That's all for this week's episode. A reminder that you can always find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. 